I'm aiming and aiming and aiming and aiming, and the gun's starting to put weight on, you know. And I thought, holy shit, if I move, this is over. But once in a while, I thought I could see a time. He would move his head. But it was a long time, 10, 12 minutes. So finally I decided, well, if he bounds, he's going right into those furs. I'm never going to get him, and I know he's not going to turn around and go out in that open. Welcome back to another episode of Northwoods Whitetails podcast. This week we are joined with Del Green and his wife, Nancy Green. Um, you guys may have heard of Del Green. He's wrote a book, uh, Tall Tines and Wide Racks. It was released quite some time ago. There's a good chance if you hunt the North, you know Del. You've heard about him. He is a very influential person um, through the state of Vermont. Uh, he'll tell you a little bit about some of the things that he has done. Um, for the camp owners of the Northeast Kingdom and creating muzzleloader season and, and uh, amongst many other things. Um, I am joined this week uh, by Brent Dragon. And uh, yeah, here you go. Argue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. God. That's funny. Oh, this could be a really good... <laughs> I would say so. Keep it going. <laughs> oh. How did two of you guys meet? Pardon me? How did you, how'd you two meet? Oh, no. That'll take, you. That'll take up one hour. I'll do it as short as I can. She was a freshman and I was a senior in high school. She was very attractive. and But when you're 14 and 18, there's a big difference. We went out on one date and never really saw each other uh, much ever. I married young. Um, I eventually got divorced and I had a relationship with somebody. And in the middle of all that, that ended after several years. And I had my two sons and they were living with me and at oh. about uh, yeah. 10 and, huh? An aunt. At, at 11 and 13 or something like that. And so um, this Camaro pulls in front of my Honda business across from the Elf Club. That, that, and we worked on boats, motors, trailers, snow machines. We sold Polaris and Honda. And I see this girl get out of it and come walking towards the shop part. I had three mechanics working there. And, uh, ooh. And so she gets, and I, so I walk out a little bit, and she's got these papers, and it was her, and I, I knew who she was, but I hadn't seen her for years. And she said, her father had a little gun shop in Morgan, and this doctor had a bunch of guns he wanted to sell, and he gave her a list. And she took it home to her father, and her, her father really had very, very little money. They were poor, and just a little dinky gun shop, but he couldn't buy them. And so she, he said, why don't you stop at Del Green's? And so she did on the way through. And uh, I guess really you said what I just told you about the guns. And so I said, well, I'll look at him, you know. And then she turned around and went back to the car. And I don't know. Ooh. 
I don't know if I want to be down at the marina or where, but tomorrow, she said she's going to stop at the same time. I'm going to be here. <laughs> so 4.30, in comes the Camaro, and she gets out and walks up. I can't sell these guns. I can't buy them because they were high-end guns, Seikos, Weatherbees. Oh. People that buy those buy new. Or if you came in to buy a used Weatherby, it would still be four or $500 and so uh, I told her that, and she said, well, okay, I'll tell him. And so she was standing there, you know, and I gave her the papers back, and I kept looking down, and I was trying to see her left hand to see if there was a ring on it. And so apparently I looked down more times than I thought I did. And so she, she says, well, okay, bye. And she starts to walk away, and and she says to me, no, I'm not married, I'm not engaged, and I'm not seeing anyone. She's walking away, and if you want to want to ask me out, you can. So she's 20 feet away now. I said, how, how do I get hold of you? Call my mom. <laughs> We've been together <laughs> how many years? How many? Yeah. Since 1981. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what years cool is that? <laughs> uh, 41. Yeah. 41 years. Yes. Is it early? Yeah. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> so I used to shoot a lot. Holy crap, she says. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd ever known. Are you taping this? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, th this is cool. She's with me a few days, and I I liked it. We shot a lot. when we, we, I always shot a lot. And I taught my kids to shoot. And, you know, we put the thing inside the, the tire and roll it down the hill, everything. And so one day I'm going to take the kids and and I had bought them a Winchester lever action 22s. So she's going with us, sort of the first time the two kids with us. Mm -hmm. And so we go to this sand pit, gravel pit, and used to have a lot of light bulbs in the house and wherever. And remember when the light bulbs blew out all the time? <laughs> all the time. By the end of the year, I had 25 light bulbs or something, and so we'd go out and stick them in the sandbank, you know, and so the kids are shooting at him, and they've hit a few. And so Shane, who's like 11, turns around to her. So she's just watching. And, and you know, I was teaching him about leaving the gun open and stuff, you know. And so he's got the gun like this. And he says, you want to sh shoot? And she says, yeah, I'll try a shot. So, so sh she looks at it, closes it up, turns around. Pow, a light bulb goes. Pshh. And she drops the gun down, opens the action, and goes. Phew. <laughs> hands it back the gun and the boy's eyes are like this <laughs> my son Sean the old one that's, that's she'll, do, she'll do <laughs> that's, that's a great story precious. Yeah. very good very that good is. story yeah. that is anyway hmm. uh, so you used to go out to the deer woods with him and help set up and I, you just showed me that photo come on <laughs> Yeah, I, I showed him the one where I carried all that stuff down off the mountain. Yeah. The ladder and the... Oh, my God. God. She's carried a lot of stuff. It, uh, you know, the ladders, the tree stands. Yeah, and, and, you know, we would go scouting in October an awful lot, especially in Maine, but always go in a new place wherever there was a new logging road. You would hope hunting season there wasn't a gate, but and 
she would, uh, I'd drop her off and she'd head up in somewhere, but generally along the back of big cuts, you know, but big ones. And, and then I'd go somewhere else and she'd come, I'd get back with her, you know, and she said, if you go through the woods over there, there's a smaller cut there on the side of that hill. <laughs> you already been there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but she would find scrapings and hookings yep. and stuff. And so we did it a lot and had a lot of fun doing it, mm-hmm. you know, pre Pre-hunting season is a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, one day while she was waiting for me, she carved her initials down by a road on a fallen log, or maybe a log that was left there by loggers. I think it was just NC. No, actually, it was Nan. And I remember, uh, I just saw that picture a little while ago. Yeah. Because t- we took a picture of it. I'm sitting by the log, and it says Nan. So it's a, a buck. You know, this big. Well, anyway, there was uh, some friends. Nathan Chesney, the gun yeah. dealer guy. He and his father and Roger were up in Maine. We didn't even know they went anywhere near the same place we did. Christmas time, we have a big party here. <laughs> hey, we know where you were hunting season. Where? You were right here. How do you know that? You wrote your name on a log. No kidding. <laughs> At the end of a yard area, you know. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty neat. I guess so. We so. A, we had a turtle in the driveway the other night, a box turtle in the driveway, and my old man got the bright idea to take a Sharpie and write, on, write Cash's name on the top of the turtle to see if the turtle comes back. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. Was it a little one? Yeah, it was about, you know, 8, 12 inches across. It wasn't a snapper. No, it was a little box turtle. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. there's down in... Newport, and uh, man from Agog, there's yeah. a lot of snapping turtles. Yeah, oh. I believe it, especially South Bay. Snap! Oh yeah. God, yeah. they're beautiful. Yeah. brutal. If yep. you wanted to know what my opinion of the to be a successful hunter, you got to start with a good wife, understanding. That's very good information. I, I think it's a. Uh, if you were to ask me, probably should add this at the end, but uh, one of the secrets that I have, we all have a couple secrets we share with family and maybe a friend, but years ago, we learned from mistakes, you know, and so we're tracking deer, and my personal opinion is if you, and, and some would disagree, but I generally go right along on it because... of the time, for me anyway, you bump the deer because, or you spend hours not freshening up this track. So I'd be along on it till I jump it. And then my personal opinion is the second time you bump this deer is is the most important time you can have. My feeling is that the deer is where he is because he wants to be there. And there's a reason. There's a doe over here and three there and two down there, and that's why he's here. And he doesn't want to run a half a mile. And I think you might agree that, you know, in a few hundred yards, he's going uphill because 110% of the time they go for elevation. So you don't know where he's turned until you've gone too far. And it's because you don't read the woods. And if you're coming through the woods, mixed growth, normal woods, mixed growth, whatever, thick firs, whatever, and you see a change of scenery in front of you where 
is some hard wood or an opening of some sort, you should not be on that track. You need to, to get off it. And sometimes I'll just turn the opposite way in case he might have seen me, and I'll go down, make a track around. Or when I see it and I think I've got the distance, then I will go uphill and hunt as best I can hunt for a half an hour to come in behind. And that deer can on, only has to be the yardage he needs to see you. Mm-hmm. So there's no sense making a quarter-mile loop here. He's, he's just 75 yards away from you, and the minute you come out, He's gone. Mm-hmm. So you need to read the woods. Yeah. And that's what I try to tell people. When you did that, do you, did you play the wind in effect, you know, one way or the other? No. I've given up on that when I was 30. Yeah. yeah. Given a choice, yes, if I have a choice. But too it, often I was trying to make a loop to work with the wind and stuff, and I felt I was wasting yeah. time. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, the wind changes direction so often yeah. in the big woods or the mountains or whatever anyway. Oh, yeah, that, well said. Yeah. Personally, I think you got to try to beat the wind with everything that you do and what you put on and how you what you had to eat, you know. And yeah. I mean, they started laughing at me when I was 30, and I wouldn't have spaghetti for supper. Yeah. Okay. Did you get a deer this year? No. <laughs> Did you get one last year? No. Yeah. I was very, very careful about that and where I hung my clothes, never near a wood fire. My clothes stayed out, and I'd put them on wet before I'd put in a, a wood-smelling <laughs> yeah. clothes. Yeah, so makes no. sense, right? That smoke, smell smoke for hundreds, yeah. thousands of miles away. Yeah. I mean, you smell it right now, mm. those fires in Quebec. Yeah. I know it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So if I thought maybe you'd want that. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. that's very good info. Yeah. So when you looped around that deer, how fast are you going going to him where you think he is are you are you really creeping along or are you just kind of moving right in there just waiting for him to make the first move or catch him before he jumps up well like i said when i we start off there i generally go right along yeah not foolishly because once in a while things work out for you especially if he hooked up with a doe and He's not paying attention to what he should be. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going fast tracking, but I go right along until I see where I think I might have. And also, if he's striding, he's probably not going to, he's going through that opening. But when he, when you see that his tracks are slowed down, then he's looking for a place to, to nestle down for a while. Yeah. So I, I make a loop and then I come in sneaky, sneaky, you know, and, uh, that's where I've had probably a high percentage of my luck. But I've chased them all day in two days. Yeah. 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 So you know, I, I crossed a river once five times, took my clothes off every time. No kidding. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> God. Yeah. Wasn't warm either, was it? It's the one out over the desk out there with the little drop tie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was in Maine. And I... Uh, Went up on uh, this mountain, Thrasher Peaks, and it. Uh, I picked up a track and I took it for a ways. And we had a, a, oh, a lot of snow, like five or six inches of new snow on top of four or five. And I cut across the mountain. It's hard to find a track that day because, you know, they nestled down that night. So you might as well beat foot it until you find something. And I picked up his track with a little snow in it coming down. 
Actually, there's a picture of a hooking beside that deer out there. And he hooked, and the hooking's on top of the snow a little. Uh, now we're going to have some fun. So he goes downhill, and he goes out in this huge clear cut. And so I go beat footing it out through there, and I had put him off. And he'd gone downhill and headed uh, towards a small river. And in the course of time, I put him across the river. And I've always felt, and I might be wrong, but coyotes don't like water. And they don't like to cross it, and very, very seldom. And I think a, a doe brings her young ones up real young to realize mama's going across this water for a reason. Remember the, the picture, uh, the video of Matt had with the doe in the water and the mm -hmm. coyote, and the mm -hmm. doe would go over here and the coyote would go on the shore, mm -hmm. back and forth, back and forth. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> And and they won't go in. Yeah. You know, at least I feel that. That's their defense. Yeah. The so, coyotes won't. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. But maybe it's... when the deer crosses that water, he's he's trying to get rid of me now. You know. So after a while, if they calm down, they're liable to come back across the river because they want to be where they want to be. Well, it did. So, I I I'm looking for the tractional. I never found it on the other side. So you know how they go down the river a ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I turn around, I go back up. Oh, no. Okay. So finally I cross the river where I find a track. I go down for quite a little ways, and it goes back across the river. Five times. The fifth time it crossed, it started up this mountain, and there was a logging road half across it. And I got up to that, and it's like, 4.15 and I'm a long, long ways from my truck. And uh, so uh, I see where he ran across the road, but he's, he walked across the road and he's walking uphill. But all my fooling around down below, he's had two hours to go find a good spot. So I decide that I can't get him today, so I might as well head out. I'm standing on this road it's not the short way to my truck, but at least I'm not going through the woods. So I start to leave. Oh, by the way, it started raining, a light rain. Oh. And I stopped. And now you'll know before we go any farther that I'm a little screwy, you know. <laughs> I look up at the deer and I said, I hollered up. Okay, big boy. You win today, <laughs> but tomorrow, enjoy your evening. Tomorrow is your end of your life. That's <laughs> I holler that, and I start walking away, and then I stop. Dell, you tell everybody, never quit. And I got another 30 minutes. I go back to the track, took my coat off, laid my fanny pack down, headed up in, saw the spot like dropped down because I thought maybe he'd see me, but I don't think he had. And I made a loop and came in behind him, and I, I shot him in his bed. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 <laughs> that's, a good story. that's really that's good. That's kind of cool because, yeah. Uh, yeah. oh, my God. I dress it out. I drag it down a ways but not right to the road. It's dark, very dark. I walk the roads. I finally get about two miles to, well, we'll tell you, Budweiser Brook. 
when you're scouting, sometimes it's not stupid to put a six-pack of beer in a little brook that you're going to cross on your way back. <laughs> in the course of season, there's nothing against the law about having a beer on your way back to the truck, you know. Yeah. So I'm pretty happy. Just don't, just don't throw the cap away. No. No, no put it in your pocket. <laughs> oh, I got to tell him That's that. That's another story. <laughs> so I... Uh, I get back to my truck and I drive a long ways back to the uh, camp. And have you ever met my friend Coon Fortin? I have. Have you? you yes. Have? Yes. Well, very good guy. Yeah, nice guy to have around if you want a two hundred pound deer thrown in the back of your truck. You know. <laughs> so I get back to camp and we have this thing at camp seven o'clock. If you're not back, we we'll go look for you. And everybody kind of likes to know where you're going that day within reason, you know. So so I get back to camp, and it's about 10 past 7, and everybody's going out the door. They're, they're dressed, and they're headed up to where they think I am. And so they're happy. They haven't got to go traipse around. And, well, you get one? I said, yeah. And Kuhn always goes, the knife. Let me see the knife. <laughs> you know, it's got some blood on yep. it. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the son of a bitch does. So, wow, we, hey, we're all dressed. We got to go get it. I said, I am not going back there tonight. I said, my T-shirt's wrapped around his head. I, I'm not going back. We're getting a deer. I said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back. We get there. And, um, I've had a bad ankle for a long time, and I push myself to a point when you stop, you're hurting. And I just said, I can't go up there. I'll just sit here. Yeah. Well, they start to go and then turn around. Coon said, you put your tag on it? I said, no, I didn't. Uh, well, give me the tag, you know. So anyway, they get the deer out and every everybody's happy. But <laughs> pretty good story about never giving up. Yeah. yeah. Although I've done that a lot of times. I walked <laughs> home in the dark like you have. So Yeah, yeah, determination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you can't. I mean, if you're a quitter... You won't excel at too many things, even work. Yeah. And so Nancy just thought of a, I think you'll really like this. It's not much about killing a deer, but about the hunt. Mm -hmm. So I'm up in Maine at, uh, where did we stay? Wilson's Mills. Oh, Pittston Farm. Oh, Pittston Farm? Was yeah. that Pittston? No, it wasn't. Was no. it? Yeah, Pittston Farm, which you've heard of. It. Oh, yeah. So we hunted up there for quite a few years, rented the first cabin he ever rented out, didn't even have any. I talked him into it. There was no kitchen. It was, so salt and pepper shaker, remember that. <laughs> so the year before, I found a place that was a hot place for deer moving. If you got no snow, then I'm a good one for tree stands and blinds. I, I kind of like them the last hour, hour and a half of the day. And I never hunt where they are, so I would go to where it is. So this is quite a few years ago. So I got some, uh, I got my backpack and some little boards for steps and some screws and a screw gun and a, enough boards to make a little sit in a tree stand, which uh, might not might be frowned upon by some uh, wardens. So I hike up in a long ways, and I get there, and I build me a little tree stand. Then I get back to my truck. It's about 12, 1230. 
and uh, we were staying in a campground uh, then. No. By the river. Yeah. That's where we always stayed. Yeah. But so, Ledbetter Falls. You're right. So anyway, hunting season, I'm going in there, you know. But but it's not hunting season yet. So I come walking back out, get to my truck. I had a cap on my truck at the time. I open the cap, drop the tailgate, turn around <laughs> and get my backpack off. Oh, there's my cooler. So I open up a cooler and I, I take a beer out, take a cap off, put it in my pocket for some reason. And then next thing I know, there's a guy standing behind me. He's about... Six foot fifteen. <laughs> this guy is huge, and it's a warden. How you doing? <laughs> okay. What you been up to? Oh, just scouting around. He said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "That partridge in the corner there." Um, oh, by the way, it's Sunday. When did you harvest that? And I don't think in my life I ever forgot to take a partridge out at night, and I got back and didn't. <laughs> and left it in the truck. Embarrassing, but I did. So it was cold and hard, you know, so. Okay, let's go around the front of the vehicle. So we go around and he said, why don't you open the door there and hand me that shotgun? Well, I think you know in Maine, the gun can't be in the cab and, and now I know my hunting in Maine is done for two years anyway. And so I pull a gun out and it's Ithaca 20 gauge and he, Okay, you put that back. He said, well, let's go back to the back of the truck there. So we walk back, and this warden's pickup pulls up with a young warden that I think he was training, maybe. So he gets out, and they confer. And then he comes back to me and asks me a few questions and where you're staying and how often do you hunt in Maine and stuff, you know, just small talk. So he said, well, I'm sure you got a license. Yeah, so I give him my license. And the young warden goes back to his vehicle to check on it. And the big guy says, well, you want a sandwich? I said, no, no thanks. And he said, hey, don't let this bother you. I said, I make a hell of a sandwich. He, I said, no, no. He said, you ever hear of Dagwood? I said, yeah. He said, I make them like that. And I got choices. Where else in the North Main Woods you get choices? What do you want for <laughs> ham or turkey today? And... Uh, I said, no, thank you. He said, oh, don't let this spoil your day. I said, well, I think it's going to spoil more than that. And, well, you never know. Well, suit yourself. So he goes to the back of his that truck, and he's making a sandwich, and then I'm just standing there very upset with myself, mostly the gun deal. So it's pretty obvious what I was doing in my backpack that now I got a, a screw gun and, and I wasn't hunting, so pretty soon they walk back together, and the guy's eating this big sandwich, you know. <laughs> and the other guy, the rookie, is not much bigger than I. And you guys remember the old little handbooks we had you could put in your pocket? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do. What's wrong with what today, huh? <laughs> Everything you needed was in there. <laughs> was. But the young warden says, here, I'm going to give you one of these. He said, uh, next time you're uh, out, uh, how'd that go? You're out scouting around and uh, you knock down a partridge there. Why don't you take care of it properly? I said, yes, sir. And he said, why don't, 
and he hands me another one, same thing. He said, why don't you uh, take this one and, uh, you know, if you're sitting in the car and it's raining and uh, you, you know, nothing better to do, why don't you read this one? And I said, yeah, okay. He gives me a third one. And he says, when you're sitting in your tree stand, why don't you read this one? He knew, because the other guy must have told him. And I said, okay. He said, if we took a hike up to that tree stand, we might not like it, huh? I said, no, you wouldn't. Okay. He said, you know, we're not brilliant people, but you, a hang-on doesn't need screws. I said, no. Okay. He said, well, you have a good day. And I almost fall on the ground. And he turned around and walked back to the truck, which was a touch from me. And I, I, uh, I'm just sh shocked. I can't believe I got a break like this, especially the gun deal. Mm -hmm. I've broken two laws here. And I said, hey, hey, you guys, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, you know, I'm stuttering, like, I said, except thank you. Uh, I guess just thank you. So the big guy goes, ah. He said, you know, a guy don't even throw a beer cap away in the woods. He ain't all bad. No kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yes. My dad was the head of the state p police here. And I came home and I, I told him this story. And I said, Dad, I got to get a hold of this guy's boss, a superior in, where, in Augusta or something, and tell him what this. My dad goes, no, no, no. Don't do that. You know why. Yeah. 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 Ooh. Okay, Del. Get in trouble for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a nice, one of my better stories. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. What a nice guy. Yeah. He knew he taught me more than. <laughs> mm -hmm. than yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's so. never been a screw gun in my truck again. Ever since. That. That's a pretty so. good story. So you hunted Maine for quite a few years? Yeah. I, I guess 24. Five years. You know something I regret? I never had time to hunt. I had my own business or I worked. And I only got hunting weekends and Thanksgiving for many years. And I was probably 50 years old before I could ever take a vacation. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. I think if I'd had some time, I'd have done pretty well. But, you know, Thursday, sometimes you could have Friday off with Thanksgiving, you know, but I just never had a week. Yeah. Ever. And did you work for yourself? Well, we had a couple of businesses, and it, it was the same thing. You can't sell a Polaris snow machine, you know, in, in November if you're not at the shop and everybody wants to talk to the boss. Yeah. And uh, then we had a landscape company that went back into construction, and uh, I'm known as the greater magician so yeah i won't brag about my hunting but i can do a lot of things with a greater that you would not believe <laughs> no kidding yeah and my boss knows it and just i still work a little yeah. for a great guy you guys get around when you go to bloomfield just before bloomfield big log yard there and a new shop and his name is mike belknap has a camp with his father on West Mountain. But 
one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life, and he's, we call it anal. He, he's a perfectionist, everything. No kidding. And I am. And so we get along like this. I mean, if there's one little thing wrong, fix it, you know. If it's dirt on the fender of that <laughs> truck, clean it. You know? So so you work alongside with Eric. Pardon me? Yes. You work with, work with yeah. Eric. For what? With you Eric. With Eric. You work oh, with Eric. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know him well. <laughs> Jesus, what a guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and what an operator. Yeah. As I've been in construction a lot of my life, and he's goods I've ever seen. Yeah. If he's putting a road in with a bulldozer for logging, he, he don't need the grader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And a good guy. Very yeah, good guy. awfully nice. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, uh, Maine, was that your favorite place to hunt? Definitely. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. I. Not so much now because it's changed so much. I can't seem to get away from the, the logging and the new types of equipment and leaving the tops and the limbs all in the woods, you know, with the new skitters. And Christ, the moose can't even walk through it. There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. And then having to get up at 3 in the morning and hope you get to the place you want to hunt before there's two pickups parked there, it, it kept getting worse and worse. So I think now if I was a little younger, I'd head farther north, you know, uh, I'm sure there's land I haven't found. Yep. And so I miss that. And He's a big woods hunter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you guys are. So you would do the same thing. You, you're looking mm -hmm. for some place you can hunt. Away from people. people. Away from people. And, and, you know, we're there to have fun. You want to enjoy the day. And you want to enjoy every bit of the day. You only can have those 10 or 15, 20 days that year, you know. And mm -hmm. So when it becomes frustrating, I... I just, uh, actually, I, uh, this ankle's fused, has been for quite a few years, and it never bothered me much except going uphill more with my toe, but it never hurt much. And for some reason on that project I was on, well, I know what it was, I had shot rock, big ledge shot rock we installed along this big slope for 100 yards down to this river. I had to go up and down it several times a day very carefully i mean you're younger and very good shape you would have had to do the same thing you know like a couple of ski poles and and a favor in that ankle and then three days before deer season started hurting bad and we finished that project the day the friday before deer season well october so i can hunt new hampshire i couldn't walk i tried to hunt and tried and um, we had put up a tree stand with a six by six platform on it and a blind on the stand. It was only six feet off the ground, but it was a good spot. And I never used it. Okay, and okay. Five days later, no, a week later, I, she came in and hauled everything out for me. I, I couldn't walk. Hmm. And uh, very discouraging. So I went and had some shots. Uh, Mansfield Orthopedics. Yeah, I own part of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you don't know me. Everything's new. <laughs> so I go get a shot in my ankle, and outside of dislocating my shoulder so bad, this arm was right here. 
Oh. Not over here hanging. It was right here. Almost passing out, excruciating. And, well, I did pass out finally, but the second worst thing I ever had was giving me a shot last fall. And I don't know what he hit, but he, oh, it hurt and hurt and hurt. And then he, two months later, he suggests, sent me to UVM where they could do it uh, arthroscopically. You know, uh, ultrasound guided. Okay, yeah. So I go down there and it was worse because it's a teaching hospital and I think I had a rookie. Huh. Uh, it was exceptionally painful. So I came home and said, that's it. Never again. I'd rather limp. Yeah. So we go back to Mansfield to see about getting, uh, yeah, Mansfield got orthopedics about getting an operation. They told me I'd be five to six months non weight bearing because this ankle's got to be, it's been fused once. So, how about another shot? No, no. <laughs> you don't have enough money. <laughs> so, why you help you? No, I do not want one. Nancy's with me. There's the um, P P A P A Kristen Ely. I don't know if you heard of her or not. Mm -hmm. She used to live in Stowe. I know her very well. You, you do? do not. I do. I do. Yeah, you know Dr. Antel. Yeah, I I know who he is. Yeah. 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 She's selling her house. Yeah, she is. Yeah. 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 They're moving in together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's she was in there. The doctor left, and she goes. I, I could give you a shot that I don't think will hurt. I said, no, thanks. So she's putting her things away, and I'm sitting up, you know. And she says, I'm not going to beg you, but I wish you'd let me. I, I, I'm pretty good at giving shots. I look at her. And if she hadn't been so attractive, I wouldn't have said yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. So lay back down. So I do. I don't know, 30 seconds, whatever, later. I felt a tiny little prick, but you know when they give you a shot to numb it first? Mm -hmm. And then she goes over. Now she's getting the big needle. <sighs> she gets a Band-Aid, and she comes back and puts it on. She's all done. The, the, the word you, I cannot believe it. You never felt it? No kidding? No. No. Yeah. The difference wow. between experience and unexperienced, I so, guess. You don't have to tell her. That you heard this because she knows. Yeah. Because a few days later you get unlike stuff in the mail today. You know, a review of where the nurses were nice, was the place clean. So there's a good I, chance she might even listen to this. Well, <laughs> you know. Really? Oh yeah. She shot she her first. She shot her first buck last year. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. we we got the story. I, yeah. I was happy for her. Actually, she's got my she's, book. Yeah. A, a friend of hers. Who gave it to her? Hannah. Hannah did, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Has lent it to her. So anyway, uh, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, oh, so they call now. They don't fill out the paper anymore. So they call me up and not her, but, and it's a recording. Yeah. And at the end, they said, if you'd like to speak to someone live a live person or something uh hang on for a few seconds and it was uh, 15 seconds and a woman came on and introduced herself and said what what'd you have to they know who they're talking to they 
what you have to say, Del? And I said, just something real short. You tell Christian that I want a date with her in that office three days before deer season from now on until I'm dead. Because <laughs> she's the only one that could ever give me a shot that didn't bring tears to my eyes. No kidding. Well, I had to go back, and she, she'd got the message. Yeah. So they told her. That's pretty good. And they, you know what? I, I will do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're still deer hunting quite a bit. Well, I had a bad year last year. I did not hunt. Yeah. First time in my life. I, I tried a little bit, and uh, it was it was so painful that the fun was out of it. And so I went looking around, looking, trying to find a place that I could go 100 yards and put my blind up. And I kept looking and looking, and I, I found a spot, and I took her up to it. Uh, not then, but... It was near the end of the season. It, it was in New Hampshire. Yeah. But it was rifle season, and it was the end of their, towards the end of the season. So I found a spot where there was snow, where there was quite a lot of deer movement, and they seemed to be coming up out of this little place, and so the wind seemed good and everything. So I go get my blind, and I set it up. And it was probably only 100 yards from my truck, which was out of sight. And so I went there, uh, like an hour before dark, and uh, I, I uh, you know, I'm looking all around and stuff, and I kept glancing to this one spot off to the side, and all of a sudden, here comes a deer. Christ, it's a buck. It was about a, a, a four or five pointer, you know, like this. And right behind it is a doe. He was in front. He came up over the bank. He's, uh, you know, uh, forty yards from me and turned and started to walk away and um, I didn't shoot it and uh, I don't think either of you would have either Yeah. and so I'm pretty pumped up I'm going to be back here tomorrow and of course I didn't see anything and I didn't get anything but I found a place and in that area I can get to some of it and I am doing better than I was because I have some braces that no, I don't want those. They're not going to work, you know, And yeah. but they do. Yeah. And so I, I'm hoping I probably won't be able to track deer, but at least I can go hunt within reason. Get back in there. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that um, maybe a piece of advice to a lot of these younger guys is to get into the tracking game now while they have the youth in shape, yeah, definitely. There comes a point in time where you can't do it as well as you want to do it. Yeah, we can learn from that, huh? Hmm. You, you know, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth, but you, they need a mentor, mm -hmm. uh, I think. And, and it's not brain science, but if you got somebody to to talk to, which I never really had. I had an uncle that loved to take me hunting, but... Here, sit here, I'll make a loop, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think t today we, we have a lot more people, I think, tracking deer, don't you? Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. I yeah. would say. Yep. It's, it's become so popular, and it, it's fun. Yeah. There's excitement in front of you all day long. Yep. And what's better than that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yep. 
How did you? So how did you get into uh, wanting to track? You know, a lot of people ask me that, and and I just thought it it was uh, well, I'm going to follow this, you know, because at the end of the rainbow, you know, maybe there'll be something exciting here. It was better than walking where there was no tracks, you know. Yeah. And so I think that's all there was to it. And then for me, it was a learning curve. Even my uncle didn't know all the little things that we three know. Yeah. Um, I had nobody to learn from. And yeah. so it was from mistakes, I guess, mm-hmm. after a while. The thing about the woods, reading the woods, um, it didn't take me long to figure that out. I mean, about the seventh or tenth time, the same thing happened. <laughs> oh, I got to figure out a way to do this, you know. And then when it worked, then I was hooked on it, you know. And like someone's flipped a switch. Yeah, it's. I if it, to go do what I said I might be able to do this fall. I'm not all pumped up, but I'm I'll go. And I know I'll cut a track somewhere and say I got to try this, you know. <laughs> so you know, we all get older, and and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be 81 the end of the month, and so no complaints. Yeah. No. God no. You're in extremely good. Good shape for 81 years old. You do not look 81 years old. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of broken parts. <laughs> Fused vertebrae, uh, you know, the knee replacements. This wrist has got 11 screws and a plate in it. You know, it's, it shouldn't even be here. <laughs> they put me on a, helico- a helicopter. You would not believe. How did that injury happen? Well, I, I'm a non-professional logger, mm-hmm. meaning stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like all of us, cut a lot of firewood. We cut all our own firewood here for 30-something years, cut it all for hunting camp, you know. So that's the extent of it, except I had a landscape business. We took down trees. We had a bucket truck, had people that were afraid of heights, so I'm up, you know, and, and and learning to fall trees so they didn't hit the house or the garage and... I learned to, nothing to do with this, but if it's got only can come out in the driveway and it's a paved driveway, get two dump trucks, fill them with the tires, bring them up and stack them in the driveway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I know it all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm an inspector on the power line and down near, uh, I don't think. La, um, Victory? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is why you're helping us here. Okay. <laughs> the Holiday in the Hills, which you may never have heard of. I've never heard of it. No? Up in Victory, the last, they never had a phone, any of those homes in there, the farms or anything, they never had any phone lines. And they were trying to raise money and for years to get the to the phone company, you know. And there was an old lady that lived in the house up at the end of the road, way up in the woods. Maud Lund. Yeah, Maud Lund. And she kind of was famous in the Northeast Kingdom because they put this uh, Victory Days or something on, and it was to raise money. And they'd have all kinds of things there, and they would raise some money. And So now I'm an inspector on that power line, and my boss asked me to try to find a gravel pit closer than where we were hauling from. And so... I kept looking and looking and looking, and I finally found uh, a, 
what I thought would be a gravel pit. And so Seaward Construction, big company, I get a hold of them and we go down and look at it and the guy agrees. So they send down an excavator and a big bulldozer the next day. We never forget this, January 22nd, it was 22 below on my daily report. I'm not supposed to be doing anything but overseeing this work. They come in, see where it does, a bunch of guys. We got an excavator and a dozer there, and they, uh, they they show up with two chainsaws that were made 40 years before or something. They couldn't get them started, neither one of them. And so they turn around and leave, and we're sitting there, and that bugged me. So I had a big Husqvarna chainsaw in the back of my truck, so I put my coveralls on and went up over the bank. And by the way, the excavator guy is starting a face, and you know, with the excavator. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a big stand of spruce in there, about like this, say eight to 10 inch, all the same, about from me to you, over here to the stove. So I start cutting them, and they're falling away from their neighboring branches, you know, it was, they're all straight and they're all falling. The father and son on the equipment would hook in on a cable and on the dozer and pulling it down and then the guy with the, you know. So I had cut a lot of trees, like 30 of them. And it was all going pretty fast. I don't have to limb or do anything, you know. So I just wait, they'd hook and pull it out of the way and I'd cut another one. And so I cut one and it went back just a little bit towards the other trees, you know. Oh, shit. So I'm looking at it and looking at it. I'm walking around and walking around. Do I go get him with a cable to help? No. I think if I cut this tree back here, it'll come this way and push it over. So I don't remember anything. I don't remember cutting it. But I do know that Larry Dixon said that I was 20 paces in the snow where there was no steps. Mm. And it, it hit me. I think what happened, the tree came back and hit me in the face. It broke my skull. A fracture this. from his skull down across his cheek. And wow. Took out his Should have killed teeth. me, you know. Mm. And, and then I, but I came to, and those guys didn't come up to look, you know, and, and I don't know if I was out 30 seconds or five minutes or I don't know what. But I came to and I was laying in the snow face down and I didn't know why or where I was or anything and, and, and then just thinking and thinking and I remember my heart beating like heck, you know, and then I knew my head hurt awful and um, then I realized, finally came to me what I was doing and then oh, I got to get out of here and I went to get up and my wrist is, I dislocated the shoulder so I can't hardly show you, but was behind my back on my spine and the, a tree, the other tree came down and landed on my back. And I was pressed to the ground. I couldn't get out. I couldn't pull my hand out. And I realized all this and the snow was, it was deep. I mean, you met January 22nd in Victory, the snow was this deep. So I started pulling, oh, by the way, I knew my eyes was closed, you know. This, this was, well, after I got some sunlight in there, I pulled a whole bunch of snow out and I kept pulling and pulling until finally I went down a little and I pulled my arm out and then 
I, uh, I could see all this blood, and uh, but oh, I'm okay. And I put my hand down to push myself out, and it just went like that, you know. Oh. Holy yeah. shit. You know, I just laid there some more. <laughs> and I tried to holler, and I couldn't yell, you know, and but I'd broken four teeth. and Anyway, uh, they probably could have saved my life. They came up to see what was wrong, and no. I crawled over to the bank. I couldn't get up. And the snow was kind of hard, but I'm at that bank, and they're standing down behind the, the, the excavator when you reverse the fans in the winter. So they were keeping warm, and they were having a coffee and donuts. So I made a snowball with one hand, the best I could, you know, powdery, and I threw it. But when I did, my back hurt like hell, and I fell back down in the snow. But the snowball landed near them. Ah, uh, he's he's trying to get us. So they stop what they're doing, and they make snowballs. So then I pushed myself back up, and I saw them go like this, but then they saw me all blood. And so I... Uh, they came up and got me. Remember the old days we never had fiberglass or plastic liners in the in bed liners in our pickups? Mm -hmm. Everybody had a sheet of plywood. They they were smart. I couldn't even talk. They came up with that plywood and put me on it and carried me down to the back of the truck and they put me in there. You know, never moved me much. Mm -hmm. And uh they, I, I did pass out there because I don't remember turning them around or anything. But Larry, Larry uh, and Larry, the father and son, <laughs> Larry and Larry, nice, nice man. The son had taken his coveralls off, and of course I had some on, and he laid them on me, and he was laying on top of me to keep me warm. It was twenty-two below, uh, but sensibly, you know. And we started out of there, and I don't remember that, except I remember stopping, and the next thing I know, there's this woman. You know, Maud Lund's daughter was supposed to meet me there because I had was supposed to tell her how we survey something, and then when all the gravel we get is gone, we survey it again, and the volume is how much we pay you, and we want that to make sure it's right, we pay you to get a, a surveyor of your own. And then that's how we pay. Oh, I don't care. You just take what you want. And I said, we can't do things like that, you know. So, oh, I'll get my daughter. So her daughter, who was maybe 50, showed up. And that's who had driven down in to meet me that day. I'd forgotten that she was supposed to meet me. So I could explain this to her. And uh, so the next thing I know, she's over me there. And she's pulling a, I had taken, I got a handkerchief out and I put it, because I broke four teeth off. And they were hurting awful with the cold air. Mm. So I put it in my mouth, but the blood froze on it. So she puts her hand on me and I can't talk. She gets it out of there and says, what the heck happened to you? And I said, well, you know, I'll cut my home. I was laying there before thinking I had proposed to her. And my head was swollen bad here, and my eye was closed, and I thought I lost my eye. And I know she's not going to want to marry me. <laughs> Doesn't speak I, well for me, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I was so scared of that, that the injuries. So I, she, she said, oh, what have you done? Or something like that. And I said, I 
cut myself with a chainsaw, you know. No, you didn't cut yourself. You sure got hit with something bad. So she moved her car out of the way, and they drove me up the top, and I got an ambulance, and I went, and I don't know why I'm telling you that. <laughs> That's a pretty good story. Mm. So let me ask you something. Uh, this is just on my mind. Lund. Yeah. Is that related to uh, the gentleman named George Lund? I wouldn't know. Yeah. Did you know George Lund? No. No? I gather he was a pretty good deer hunter in his day down in that country. Shot some really big bucks. Well, it might be. I mean, victory is a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really big, really big ones. The gentleman that possibly shot the big rack deer in Vermont that your dad had. Yeah. Was his last name Lund? Did he get that far with that? That's... That's where it had come from, right? I don't know. I don't know the, that much of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they ever really got to the end of it. Yeah. Um, because George had passed away. What was it? Yeah. Four years, five years, maybe ago or longer. Yeah. Oh. Um, so they never really got to the end of it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But my dad this tried. This, this George had shot some really nice bucks, the Granby, Victory, yeah. all that country. Have you have you guys hunted any of that that country? Have you? Yeah. That's the Senecas. Yeah. Yeah. I've hunted from one end of Canadian border to the yeah. bottom. I kind of figured you had. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, on that note, on the East Branch. Yeah. I've been grading the East Branch all the way to the Norton Road. Then I do South America Palm to Madison Brook, and then some other logging roads for them. And in a month or so, I'll probably be done. Um. On your way up the East Branch, there's mile markers. Mm-hmm. But somewhere around 7, there's a cabin, a nice old log cabin beside the road. It says Camp 10. Yep. Ever talk to that guy? I never have. Stop. Yeah? You guys need to stop. Okay. That's good info. I, I, I could lend it to you. You don't have it. You gave it to Bob McDowell. I'll, you know, but he'll give it back to me. I'll get it he to did? you. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. get it to you. He put together the, some history of, well, we all have read books about the logging in, in New Hampshire and Vermont, you know, but, you know, they floated logs down the yellow, the black, uh, uh, the north branch, the east branch, and a big part of that that was done in New England were those tributaries. Well, that cabin was built in 1920, and the railroad went right in front of it. They really? built a railroad for the main road that went all the way up in that valley. No hmm. kidding. Yeah. And here's something <clears throat> that I never knew. I've read all these books. You know, the, they're, they're interesting. They, and, and, and actually, my ex-wife's husband, who we're friends with, um, had a camp that we visited quite a few times with our sons. And he, it was a gorge, huge, huge boulders. And they had this cable they would put across it, and it would hold back the logs. And then when the water built up and up in there till they wanted to release it, you know, when times were right, they actually took an axe, and would generally with one mighty swing on that cable, it would split it and the logs would go through. Wow. And that's about... 
two mile. Hey, I'm going to wander off this the airport the airplane under the under the cable. So this I never knew that hardwood logs don't float. Never knew it. Yeah. So all the hardwood in that country was taken out on the railroad with the pictures you've seen of the horses pulling the big sleighs, if you will, on the railroad. Well, that railroad went right in front of him, and there was a big barn across the road from Camp 10. And can you think of the hay they had to put up, bring mm. in there and put up to feed those horses for five months? Yeah, I mean, that's a long ways to bring it, too. Unbelievable. That country, I'm sure, was nothing but woods back then. Yes. And fields yeah. are a long ways away from there. They they built the road all the way back in. Well, anyway, that's another story. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> I will drop that magazine thing that he put together. But the guy's name is Steve Jocelyn. He's He and his son are the last people on the lease. You know how that goes. Yeah. And he's my age. And he's, you, you, you bitch about something, you need to look around, you know. His back is fused from his neck to his butt. And wow. he's like this to put his socks on. He has a special tool, you know, like in the mm -hmm. hospital. Yep. To put his shoes on. They're all slipper-type shoes. He has these tools in every room. So he drops something. He doesn't have to walk to another room to get it. Huh. He has a horrible time getting in and out of his car to pick up. Uh, and he's up there sit, sitting all alone on, you can tell I'm a talker. <laughs> so I run in the grader. I parked my truck right almost in front of the camp because nobody's up there this mosquito-infested time mm -hmm. of the year, you know. Uh, but wouldn't you know, he was there when I get back. The loggers give me a ride because I end up four or five miles farther up. And so every night, and they generally leave about 2.30, so they come and get me to move my truck. Yeah. And when they brought me back, I thought, oh, shit. So I better go apologize because he didn't really care. And so that was a rare time for Dell, who didn't talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. Because yeah. I listened to somebody else. And yeah. You, yeah. You need to stop in, not deer season, and just... Uh, do, they, do they use it during deer season? They don't, yeah. do they? Yeah, just a couple of them, yeah. and, and he said they can't hunt. Yeah. They're too old. And, yeah. uh, and he couldn't even hunt if on his lawn, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Huh. God, it, I left there more knowledgeable, but I have to think of this guy when I piss and moan about my ankle. <laughs> what he would give to be in my condition. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But a wealth of knowledge and... Uh, I'll drop that off at your house because sure. Bob will bring it back to me. I know he will. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Because he knows if I he doesn't, I'll, I'll kill him. So. <laughs> so you had speaking of camps, <clears throat> you you've had some camps over the years, right? Yeah, they. I think maybe I already said something about the camp being the lease was zero 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 two. As the second lease that uh, St. Regis let out back in the old days. And so I would say I sold that camp about eight years ago, and it was 50 years old the day I no sold it. Yeah. yeah. Do you shoot any bucks out of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. quite a few in the in your book that you had written. We should mention that 
you 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 have written a book, wide wide racks, tall tines, and yeah. it is extremely hard to find. You yeah, got to know somebody a, that has a copy. I think what we got to do is what we talked about before, and sometime I, I'll I'll pursue that for now. We'll leave that alone. But yeah. I, I need to because we're still getting these calls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your book, um, I would say, is probably the most informative book out there for someone that's interested in tracking. Really? It, <laughs> yes. You tell it the way that it it huh. is, right? And in, in 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 some of your stories, you 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 say, "I'm not trying to offend anybody," right? Yeah. You 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 give a lot of insight to someone that wants to track. You give a lot of insight on. Um, mentally, how they should be, right? Like yeah. not quit quitting in a way, yeah. right? Um, huh. There's quite a few tips in there, you know. One of which you can't kill a big buck if you don't hunt where they live, right? And that goes yeah. goes back mm. to a little bit more. Like one of the key key points that you had mentioned mm. in one of those stories was you're in an area um, where the pri- primary age of the bucks being harvested is one and a half years old. The chances of you shooting a two hundred pound buck in that that area, yeah, is slim to none. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I guess I, I remember saying that. Yeah. It, yeah, no, but it's it's very truthful. Yeah, right. There's I could the stories that I read in there. That is probably the most informative book to anyone that huh. wants to get into tracking. That's nice of you. It's it's true. It's of, of all the books that I've read. I was telling Joey today on the way. I said, that is by far my favorite book that I've ever read. And, and I've been trying to get another copy of it since December. And um, it's uh, they're very hard to come by. I, I don't know how many copies, if you said you did 2,000 of them or 1,000 of them. Um, yeah, 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. But they're very hard to come by. They sure are. Yeah. It's, we got to do what I told you we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. We, we just haven't taken the time. And this sort of thing... Not this precious thing, but people call and ask mm. me, and not to make any money with it. I would sell the thing now for what we pay, <laughs> pay for, for it. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's very valuable information in there, and those stories, some of those stories that you have in there are they're priceless. They really are. Yeah. They really are. I mean, there's one in there. What there was a 260 some odd 265 pound. main buck that you had killed. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, one of one of the favorite my favorite stories was the um, uh, the buck pool buck. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, that was that I was forgot all about that. That was a that was a really good story and um, about the guy that. Uh, at, at the at the store, yeah, he weighed the deer wrong. Yeah, on purpose though. On the, pl- the platform. Yeah, yeah, he he added more weight to it so that yeah. his buddy could win the buck pool, and that you didn't win the buck pool. Yeah. But also, I think it was um, told about the time when you came, you had dragged the deer for a ways. Then it was going to be late, so you ended up going to a lady's house and knocking on her yeah, door, and she yeah, was scared to right. death. Yeah. Um. And then she she ended up yeah. letting you in because you knew the the store Jesus, owner. I forgot all about that. She she had a chain lock on her door, and it was raining. And I'd sprained my ankle walking up the road. And I put the gun over before I went to the door because I know how people are. Yeah. And it was pouring, and I I didn't have the deer out at all. And I I sprained the ankle jogging up the road on a stone, you know. And uh, yeah. Cubby Ain't Air owned that store up there. 
forgot all about that. Yeah. And she she said, please go away, go away. So I stepped back and I said, listen, would you call a friend of mine named Cubby Ainair? That owns a store? I said, yeah, he's your friend, yeah. How do I know that? I said, I, I call him. And so she did and he told her, let him in. <laughs> No kidding. I must have. I bet I wrote about the pants she. You gave. did. You said oh, her her husband had passed away, yeah. and that you were. She realized how wet you were. She made you a supper. Yeah. Yeah. She made you supper. Oh, and gave I you hate, the clothes. I hate uh, uh, noodles. Yeah. Cheese and noodles. I don't hate it, but I don't like it. <laughs> she put a plate in front of me so big you two couldn't have eaten it. <laughs> I finally got it down, and she put more down. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. embarrassed. I would forget that. That was a, that was a. I mean, those stories that you had written in that book are just <laughs> they're they're great. Well, well written. Thank Is that you. was that in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine? Where was that? Uh, Worcester, Worcester Woods. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Actually, what happened? Well, I probably put that in there. I was coming home to go hunting at the camp, and I got up. On the way home, I came up through there, and I had a Volkswagen at the time, and the the, the buck ran across the road in front of me. Okay, it was, I don't even remember if it was dark or not, and I got home, and everybody had, we got snowed out, we couldn't get into Lewis Pond camp. So my uncles were gonna go down to the old camp that my uncles still had. So they'd all, my brothers and my dad had already taken off. Well, I know where I'm going, <laughs> and it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a super good story. Hmm. You were mentioning something uh, about shooting the bark off a tree. Yeah, to get a to get a buck to move. Yeah. You Did told I tell me you that no, on the phone. No, you told me to remind you of that on the phone that you would you would like to tell that story to us. I don't know if, if it. Something we should put out there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I wonder if some people wouldn't think that was stupid. <laughs> you know what? I've been I, called. I, st- I, I I guarantee you they won't. They probably find it very very interesting. Absolutely. Well, I put that on here, then I crossed it off. Oh yeah. <laughs> the deer. I need a second here. Yeah, the one with the high tines that weighed 244 that you and I were looking at. Oh, yeah, wicked rack, tall Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. My, my, uh, hey, would you guys like a a glass of water or something or anything? You want to take a break? Yeah. You want to take a break? We take a break. We'll Well, take a break. We are back from break and I'm trying to pick up where we left off, but been a little while okay well new story um that big high time buck that you saw in the other room yeah that weighed 244 so it's one of my specials um my brother and coon fortin and a bunch of guys were hunting on this ridge and we had no snow so i was part of this and we were probably close to two miles apart but somehow managed come down in the middle and regroup but my brother and coon was still up there actually coon was and he found this place where these two bucks had fought very evident on the ground torn up all around this little brook in a slight ravine 
and you couldn't believe how much hair and blood. So he was emphatic that we come up and see this, but we already been, you know, mountain climbing. So we, my brother Bobby said he was coming up. So they went up and they took pictures of it. And I guess it was pretty torn up. But as you can imagine, if they started fighting near this brook, they're not going to fight uphill. <clears throat> so they kind of fought their way back and forth across this little brook. Why well, little brook is one of these. And in the end, there was a touch of snow up in there, a little bit. In the end, you know, I never watch a lot of these, but when I've seen bucks fighting on the videos and stuff, one finally wins and the other one runs off and this one runs 20 yards and stops and he's the winner. These two bucks walked off in opposite directions. Hmm. So they everybody, everybody had to go home. That was the end of their week, I guess, or something. So the next day, I went up there on that mountain, you know, and I parked my truck and I started up in hoping that, and now I know there's two big bucks up there at least by the hoofs, they were big. So I start up in, and I don't go 100 yards from my truck on a little knoll, and there's a bed. And the deer has walked away from it. I didn't spook it, but it was a big buck. You know, and so I start following it, and it's going up on the mountain. And it gets up into near transition, and it was kind of angling to the left, and I was afraid it was going to go towards the river, and it did. And I started to go a little ways, and I said, I know just what's going to happen here. And I got nobody to come get me. Uh, I'm going to gamble. So I turn around and go back and decide to cut across the side of the mountain because I know there's two big bucks up there. So I go quite a ways. And I don't see anything. And I finally get over to where I could see a big clear cut. Well, I know it's there anyway. I hunt that country. And I can see that out there. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to just go pick up this skid road and go down and hike my way back so I start to go out in it and then all of a sudden I saw this deer I see the whole deer it's it's maybe 45 yards from me but I can't see the head and I can see it and I know it's him but what do you do and so I'm waiting and waiting and I don't know why I did it because I have a favorite rifle but I have a browning lever action 308 <clears throat> uh, I took it for some reason that day because I have uh, anyway I I'm aiming and aiming and aiming and aiming and the gun's starting to put weight on you know and I thought holy shit if I move this is over but once in a while I thought I could see a time he would move his head it was a long time 10-12 minutes so finally I decide well if he bounds, he's going right into those furs. I'm never going to get him, and I know he's not going to turn around and go out in that open. Uh, so I go exceptionally slow, and I get about four feet against a tree. Now I can rest, you know, my arm and stuff. And I, and then once in a while, I swear I saw a tine. He was moving his head now and then. And so, but I wasn't sure. I waited and waited and waited, and I said, Jesus, that tree, it looks like it's in front of him, but maybe three or four feet this side of him, but I couldn't tell for sure. I kept looking at it. 
here goes. So I steady myself and I take careful aim at the bark on the tree in front of his nose. <laughs> but I know I thought it was like this. That I I touch it off and I work the lever. He the deer that I even saw a little bit of the and the, the buck turned. I worked the lever and he turns. He he goes like this and then I come up and and he went over this this blow down thing and I shot and then I can't see him. I could just I can't get another shot. I ran over here, can't get another shot. Son of a bitch. But I sort of felt good when I shot. Well, I got all day now, the rest of the day. So I poke along and I break out in the where I shot over that. About two bounds after that in the snow, there was his bounding was about from here to that bag, nothing big. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had one in him. I mean, I knew it because he couldn't bound. All right, boys, we're going to end this episode right here. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check back in next Wednesday at 7 a.m. to hear the rest of this episode.